I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the What For Buzz podcast. And um, I don't think we're expecting to be here quite so soon. Um, but we are, we're back, Tom, Jordan and myself are back and um, you probably realise exactly why. Watford announced uh, this afternoon around about four o'clock-ish that uh, Bilic had been relieved of his duties. Uh, the exact statement uh, went a little, something a little bit like this. Watford FC confirms the departure of head coach Slavin Bilic and his coaching staff. The Hornets have won just once in the last eight Skybet Championship games under Croatian head coach Pavaron, which included just three wins since Christmas. Uh, and then a quote, we are all ambitious to succeed this season, so something new is needed quickly, while the opportunity of promotion is still real. And that's from the technical director, Ben Manga. Uh, he added, with the January transfer window over to change the coach is the only option available to re-energise for the final games ahead. The board of directors wishes to place on record its thanks to Slavin for the work during his time at the club. And uh, about 15 minutes later, uh, another message appeared on the uh, Watford website. It said, welcome Chris Wilder. The Hornets are pleased to confirm the appointment of Chris Wilder as head coach uh, on a contract until the end of the season. Well, guys, uh, we speculated yesterday that it was uh, perhaps a little bit surprising that Bilic hadn't been relieved of his duties based on everything we know that uh, is at the core of, of Mr. Pozzo. But um, it was only one day more we had to wait for until we uh, we, we, we got the uh, the news that we suspected might come. I actually think the Watford Buzz deserves somewhat of a thank you because we spent about 45 minutes out of an hour and 45 minute podcast yesterday discussing potential <laughs> replacements for Simon Bidditch <laughs> and our reasons why and so on. We, we are notoriously good at outdating ourselves the second that we post a podcast. So yeah, chaotic. It's been, um, as you said, not, not expecting to be back here so quickly, but here we are and I'm, I'm pleased to be back with something to talk about again. Yeah, it does feel, Tom, like... Um... We've got something that we can now maybe look forward to, at least after some very disappointing weeks. Yeah, we discussed the atmosphere, didn't we, from Saturday's game on the pod yesterday, and we said it was flat, but who could blame anyone there? And I, I do think that was unlikely to change while Bilic was in charge. I'd written a piece the other week and said, you know, I was very much pro Bilic staying, but after Saturday, I just couldn't see a way forward without him. And I think a lot of people, sorry, couldn't see a way forward without him. That's the exact opposite of I mean. <laughs> Couldn't see a way forward with him. And I think probably a lot of people felt like that. Didn't want to be sucked into sacking someone again, but weren't inspired by the prospect of going forward with Village. I think now it's a very short-term focus for everyone, isn't it? Players, manager, supporters. We've got 11 games. We've got a change of direction, new man. It is literally now or never. Everybody in every capacity has to give their all if we're going to do it. I still don't think we will, but 
there's a there's there's optimism right you you that's the whole point of the change it's that there's the twist to give you a slightly better chance if we had a 10 percent chance under village and we've got a 12 percent chance under chris wilder those are odds that gino pozzo would take and i guess we have to too Jordan, it's interesting that um, on the Watford website, the quote that uh, went along with the, the, the goodbyes as Lavin Bilic came from uh, technical director Ben Manga. Do you think that uh, he had a say in, um, in, in the decision to depart ways with Slavin Bilic? Well, I think it, it, I mean, it would indicate that it, it, he did in some respect. Um, although I think this one is probably, probably pretty university felt amongst the hierarchy of the club that a decision had to be made. I don't think I could think of any of those in position to to have a say that would probably think otherwise in a sense. Um, it, it does indicate that. And, you know, normally we'd be hearing from Duxbury in this sort of situation. He's normally the mm. guy we get the quote from. That's right, yeah. Uh, so, we, you know, there's been, there's been discussion regarding the kind of relationship between Gino and, and Scott in, you know, recent months. And I do even wonder with Ben's inclusion... Uh, in, into that group it definitely seems more of a three-man show rather than a two at the very least but you know, one of the questions I always had regarding Duxbury is with Duxbury's you know, position at the club he seemed to be involved quite heavily in footballing matters where you wouldn't normally associate with with the man in, in his seat so maybe that third party in, in Ben Manga is someone that's brought in with a little bit more of a Kind of overarching um, say than we we thought he might have had in the you know when he was first appointed and not entirely sure but it does definitely indicate that there's there's some input um, and in terms of the appointment itself and, and the choice of of Wilder uh, yeah I mean look obviously it's it's, a, it's an interesting it's a difficult one because it's you, you're looking at who's available you're looking at a short span of time and I I do feel quite strongly. It's probably not wider especially based on the contract given but I think that plans for the summer will be revolving around a new head coach regardless of what happened this year in, in regards to Bilic as well so you know it is a way of making a change and as he says refreshing things without being able to change the squad and I don't disagree with that I think it was very clear that we were limping towards you know possibly even the the, the bottom half of the table which we <laughs> is not where we want to be not when we still have a fighting chance potentially uh, there are players that are back and available now so you know if you feel like if you make a change that can that can be a positive thing for the club and it can push us in that direction then why not because I think most of us agree there's some varying opinion of Bilic in and Bilic out but I think what we most would agree on is that we didn't really look like we were going to be changing our, our fortunes anytime soon so it, it's somewhat of a bold move but personally you know I'd rather I'd rather kind of give give ourselves a little bit of life and, and see what we can do Tom what was it that um, just didn't work out for Bilic did the injury crisis clearly not help but uh, was it more than that yeah the injury crisis didn't help but I think everyone that I've spoken to listened to whatever would would have said the the chief kind of complaints were the lack of kind of impetus and attacking desire and connectivity and kind of just being coherent and having a plan there was no identity I think it's fair to say you know it felt like mm. we tried to keep possession for the sake of it but that was you know the one thing you could identify and it's, it's not a good thing um, I think a uh, failure to get the, the best out of our best players be it you know Saar or 
arguably Pedro's role was giving him the captaincy a burden that inhibited his performances. Keenan Davis, obviously, as we know, the use of loser, under, over, whatever it may be, you know, it seemed to be wrong whatever he did that one. Um, so I think it was all those factors, but I just think as a kind of, if I could give you one umbrella adjective, it was just boring, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're not wrong. It, it was it was boring, and I, I think I think also too. I, I don't think I've. Re- I mean, maybe it's recency bias, but I can't recall a coach that I've been less. I felt has had a, a, a less impact or a lesser impact on the team in terms of of bringing some sort of. I hate the. I mean, we use the overword overuse the word identity, but for lack of a better term, identity into the team. I didn't really see what he was doing particularly on a lot of occasions. And I think that's 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 never a good sign, really. And it, it was something that never changed throughout that time. And I think there's one thing if things are going well or if you're still getting results, like kind of you maybe could feel similar to Isco when he first came, but we were winning and that's the difference. We, we weren't we weren't consistently winning, we weren't picking up the points we needed. And it just it just never really felt like it took off, apart from that first game at Stoke. But even then, you know, I went back and watched some of the highlights today and looked through a few clips, and there is a, a randomness to our performance, which 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 is always somewhat of a concern, especially when we've, we're six months into a, a situation where you could be expecting a little more. Despite some of the poor football, he did have uh, a couple of good games amongst the uh, amongst some of the poorer ones and also I think um, I'll, I'll be thankful uh, for some of the the youth integration that he um, he sort of was was chief over for example the likes of Toby Adeyemo getting his shot and, and I think we'll always remember that goal and hopefully he'll be able to go on from there um, Toby and, and, and sort of build a career for himself either here or somewhere else and that was just the start of it, and also um, it's nice that he's been able to uh, to to integrate uh, James Morris uh, in the team as well. Someone else who, um, again, may not have a career with with Watford, but um, certainly put down um, a marker uh, to suggest that um, you know he he can have a a decent career somewhere. Um, and it's possible that um, without Billich, uh, those two players might not have got their opportunities. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, it's it's not it's not all negative. I just think that the you know the the ultimate goal wasn't achieved, and it, it just didn't look like it was it was within reach at this point. So yeah, no, there were some positives. And I, I think there's there are some things that are, are likable about about Bilic, but I I don't think he's the sort of manager that that comes to to a club that's in the situation we're in that requires so much change. You know, from a you know mentality standpoint, but also we try to change from a tactical approach, from a recruitment approach. I just didn't think it was a good fit. I think Slavin Bilic is someone that comes in to a kind of more settled, slightly more stable position and is able to to progress things in that manner. But it it wasn't it wasn't exactly what we needed, and I think you know it kind of shows. You know, it shows what happens when you have lack of preparation because it wasn't a long-term appointment we made. It wasn't a planned particular appointment. It was a an opportunistic one like, we, like we've done again. So, yeah, it, it didn't work out, but I guess that's the situation we also put ourselves in. Right, OK. Well, it's bye-bye, Billich, and welcome, Wilder. Um, Tom, what do we know about Chris Wilder? What's, what's his history in the game? He's had, up until recently, a really good record and a really good reputation, I think, in, in English football. He obviously did... A fantastic job at 
Sheffield United, took them up from League One um, and then took them into the Premier League, kept them there for two seasons, I suppose, relegated at the end of the second season, by which point he'd been sacked anyway and replaced by Paul Heckingbottom. But it was obviously a big kind of romantic story that he was a a boyhood Blades fan, uh, got a Sheffield United tattoo on his back or his leg or something, hasn't he? <laughs> um, and But prior to that, performed kind of miracles at, at Northampton and Oxford um, in League One and, and League Two and, and really kind of earned his shot in, at the kind of the big time. I think his time at Middlesbrough, short though it was, is is the, the blemish on his coaching record, isn't it? Um undeniably but particularly when you consider that Michael Carrick has gone in there and, and picked them up um, in pretty kind of dramatic fashion from where they were I'm just double checking this but I am pretty sure they were second bottom of the championship when Chris Wilder was sacked and they are now uh, obviously third and probably a lock for the playoffs if not hunting they were down definitely in the bottom three that's it if not hunting down Sheffield United um, Borough fans I think if you ask their opinion aren't too hot on him that probably goes with the territory of where they were versus where they are but I think Sheffield United fans would, would say he walks on water in, in that part of Yorkshire um, obviously credited with the kind of overlapping uh, centre halves at Sheffield United that he had uh, played the kind of three five two or three one four two three four sorry three one four two three four one two some kind of variation of that and and really you know that that successful Sheffield United team there wasn't a huge amount of change it wasn't complete enough to overhaul from League One to the Premier League was it you know some of those players Billy Sharp Dave McGoldrick Chris Basham, John Fleck, um, Jack O'Connell, you know, th- those guys, Ender Stevens, all kind of were part of that journey from start to finish, essentially. And I think that speaks to his man management and coaching ability as well. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've watched them in depth and can break them down tactically uh, to a, a great level of detail. But I think that is the... That's the sell, isn't it? That's what he'd kind of sell himself on if you gave him the opportunity. So I'll pass over to Jordan. I've run out of steam. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, yeah, no, I think you pretty much, um, I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, It's going to be interesting to see. I think think when it comes to his time in Middlesbrough, it seems to be a little bit of a split amongst the fans. I think if you actually look at the the underlying numbers for his time at Middlesbrough, even the beginning of the season weren't bad actually. It's more, you know, performance wasn't there, and there's also some, you know, feeling that Burnley's interest in him at the time and in the off season had kind of had an effect on things. And look, what I will say is there have been a lot of different opinions on his uh, in terms of his personality, and he has been referred to as a few things, including petulant and egotistical and so on which can make him a little bit difficult which is also very interesting for someone that likes to have a lot of control to be in the model that we have uh, where that's obviously obviously something which is generally not granted Uh, so that'd be an interesting thing to look at as well but in terms of just from a playing aspect you know, he, he did really well at Middlesbrough when he came. He, he took over from, from Warnock and honestly that's something that, that gives me some promise because when it comes to something like this or a, a coach like like Wilder for me, the concern is, you know, it's a relatively complex style of play. It asks a lot of the players in terms of, 
um, they, they have autonomy to make decisions. They have to be fluid and, and know when to do certain things. And, you know, that's not easy to implement and, and to get across to a team, especially one that's kind of a little bit all over the place like we are. But, you know, he took over at, at Middlesbrough midseason and he got them playing really well really quickly. I think their first eight games they had a really good record and they, they shot up the table early on. And that's that's something that obviously we need in a short period of time. And how qu- quickly can he do that? You know, it's not a perfect setup squad-wise for him, but there is some history of him being able to do this and you know we have to we have to see if it's possible because I think there is you know there's an element I can I can see it working if the circumstances are right and if we get a little bit of luck what um formation does he prefer Jordan uh, you're gonna I mean you're gonna see a three five two that's that's generally what it's gonna be um it, he doesn't stray away from it really at all uh he he likes to be in that in that shape and you know defensively it's it's going to be you know that back five but in in possession it's going to look like more of a three five two but as i said it's, it's somewhat fluid you're going to have some movement in there and it does vary slightly depending on on the team that's being played but uh you're going to see a very similar similar shape uh pretty much every game i would imagine okay is, is that the same formation that rob edwards was 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 playing yes it is um it's the formation that didn't work for us yeah, I mean, I think they're very different in execution. I think if you look at personnel available, you might say, you know, you're still lacking the same positions and so on. But I think he asks something a little different from those players. Plus, um, in terms of you know playing with the back three, we we have brought some players in, which I do think increase that you know, our chances of doing so successfully. In the likes of Ferreira, when he's back fit, we've got two extra centre backs we didn't have previously, including a left sided one. Uh, we, we do have options, and we've got Imran Loser back who can play in that deeper position. You know, th- there are elements that Rob didn't have at his disposal, which which Wilder does, which gives me more hope in that regards. But also, I think maybe the way that he operates his three his three five two maybe it's going to be a risk, but maybe it doesn't give me the same concerns in regards to, you know, the, the, the struggle we had to progress the ball and so on. What's your thoughts, Tom? My concern around this is that he's going to have to fit some square pegs into some round holes because it's 11 games and there's no transfer window and we've still got players missing. Um, I think you can make a case that some players would, would fit in there fairly well. I think Jao Ferreira is probably a perfectly serviceable right wing back. Um, I think you've got obviously the, the back three rights itself, Cathcart, Porteous and Hoyt. And the fact that Hoyt is a, a left-sided centre-half gives you that nice balance. Um, he is probably the best on the ball. Not probably, he is the best on the ball of, of those three. So that's obviously handy whether or not he's someone that could um, carry the ball out I'm not so sure but you know can at least be decent on the ball and, and give you that option Kassan Kamara at left back fine but there are questions further forward about how this is constructed um, because it doesn't feel like a natural fit particularly when Bilic as I said literally yesterday has been kind of waiting to get back to a back four um, pretty much since he arrived and only ever played a back three out of necessity and I think you read the quote out Matt didn't you about why he didn't want to play a back three yeah um, it just it all seems a little bit incongruous but that's what's going to happen so we might as well um, get used to it and give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be able to work his magic um, with what he's got at his disposal yeah, and what I will say too, it wasn't a perfect situation when he arrived at Middlesbrough either. 
Um, they didn't really have the centre backs, and you know the centre backs are the thing that's talked about often the most, and it comes to Wilder because it is you know somewhat unique and uh, the way they contribute in forward areas and they get up the pitch and so on. But you know, I, we we have to think about what he's got at his disposal, of course. You know, could he possibly get creative with with the likes of uh, with, with the likes of Gaspar? Could he be one of those outside centre backs we talked about? And Rob was there, someone that could be that that guy carrying the ball forward. Or do you kind of look at the the Wesley Hoot, who's you know he's shown some ability with his left foot. You know, at, at Sheffield United, I think what was unique about them is that both centre backs had on the outside had that license to get forward. Not at the same time, obviously, it'd be one depending on the side of the attack or kind of how the balance of the game was going that that particular phase of play. But both centre backs at times would go up. But you know, Middlesbrough had to adapt and, and be a little bit more conservative with that. And it was just Dyke Steele that would push forwards because they just didn't really have that kind of dual threat from that position. So it was a little bit more one dimensional. But you know, you're still finding ways to progress the ball. And I think that's always my main concern. We talk about the 3 5 2, and we don't have an abundance of talent um, in those positions when it comes to uh, a ball retention or kind of precision of passing from the centre back. So if you have uh, a, a kind of alternate option in terms of positioning to to allow passing routes to open and different ways to get forward what does give me hope is you've got someone like Imran Loser who's we're most likely going to see now as the deepest of the midfielders to, to pick up that ball and be that be that option. I think one of the main kind of principles for for Wilder's team is you've got to, you've got to find a way to 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 get that creative player time and space from the ball and oftentimes it's going to be him being the deep one. Now someone you look back like Oliver Norwood who is extremely competent at, at playing that ball, kind of those angled crossfield passes and spreading possession, almost kind of playing that quarterback role. I imagine we'll see something very similar from Imran Luzon now to try and replicate some of that. Um, he's not afraid to go to go forward. It's not a team that really dominates possession much. Uh, generally, kind of in his time, especially, you know, especially when kind of in, in recent years when he's adapted this three at the back system. We don't need a lot of the ball and they're not, they're not afraid to go forward quite quickly. If they're, if they're playing as a team that's pressing a lot, they're also not afraid to go long to the forwards too. There's not an over-reliance on playing out from the back, but when they do so, they're going to rely on movement from the from the defensive players to get in positions to allow that pass forward and, and, and ask them to do a little bit more than they maybe would have done in, say, a, a Rob Edwards back three. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Whenever a new manager comes in, you you find in the squad that there will be winners and there'll be there'll be losers as a result of the switch to the formation. What what uh, what categories do you think the, uh, some of the players that will be fitting into those are? I think Morris loses out. Just one thing. I was just one player. I'd say I think that's probably going to be you're probably to the end of Morris now. If you've got Kamara and Sem as the options on the left, that would be one um, as well. Another player that I think might struggle now a little bit would be I mean these are players that are coming back anyway but the likes of Ngakia maybe you're going to you know again find it hard yeah. to get in and and so on um, but you know what, what it does give me promise for though is it's a different option in terms of we are going to be playing with a front two and I think we'll likely see Jao Pedro play in, in that front two as well now which should be should be somewhat interesting 
Tom, what's your thoughts on the on the remaining games? Uh, it, it's probably a, a a good set of fixtures for for Wilder to start off with, just based on the uh, the teams that we we're up against. But as we said in the pod yesterday, we we don't like playing against um, teams that are are having a difficult time of it. No, but I think it will give us that... Well, I hope it will give us that boost. I mean, my overarching concern in all of this is that the approach is essentially we've got to give it a short, sharp shot. You know, we've got to... As a last throw of the dice, we've got to kick up a bit of a stink, do something a bit controversial. And that only works when it is controversial or unexpected. And, and, you know, if one thing is known about Watford, it's that we change manager regularly. So I say that kind of as a, a cliche, I'll give them a you know kick up the arse kind of thing. But will it um, is the question. I, th- I certainly think someone like Chris Wilder, what you read and hear about him, he will not be afraid to say his piece. He will not be afraid to make big decisions and he will be probably emboldened by the fact he's on an 11-game contract. 14 if we miraculously make the playoff final. Um, and, and he will you know, do what he needs to do to win games and essentially enhance his reputation. So if he can get his kind of plan across, get the players that he needs to set the team out as he wants back, and he has the impact, I hope, then you would like to think that he's been handed a pretty favourable run of fixtures. And certainly the fact that we've got um, QPR, Wigan and Birmingham prior to the Luton game is good because I think if we went into Luton with Slav in the form that we've been in, I, I really dread to think what would happen. I could I could see another kind of a reverse of what happened at Vicarage Road, quite frankly, um, which would be pretty horrible, wouldn't it? So, yeah, I, maybe I've talked myself around a little bit, but certainly earlier when I, the news broke and I went on the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes Twitter space, I said, just you know, big shoulder shove, like shoulder shrug. What difference does it make? I do, I do stand by that, um, but I also think there's an element of Chris Wilder having nothing to lose at this stage. You know, if he if he doesn't achieve what he sets out to, people go, "Where's Watford? It's a crazy club." Anyway, what could he possibly do? Uh, and if he does, then he'll be the one that tames the crazy club. The thing, the thing for me in, in regards to those final games I think it's I think it's entirely possible that he it does have an effect I just think that the question is how if he can quick if he can quickly enough get those ideas across and the, the Middlesbrough situation gives me some hope of that and I do think we can go on and win some games I, I, I do think it can have an effect quite quickly it just depends how adaptable we we are as a, as a group of players to that and you know if we see positive signs at QPR and I think you know it could be uh, it could be a situation where suddenly things do turn relatively quickly for us. But one one thing I did want to go back to quickly in terms of players that miss out that we've got to mention, Ismail Assar's position will be quite interesting now. Uh, how we how we kind of use him? I've seen some you know say could he be used at right wing back? And it's you know it's a possibility, especially with Ferreira not being fully fit. Um, but it's yeah, the, I think he's one player we've got to look at because obviously you know the club view him as one of the bigger assets and. He's one of our better players, but how do you fit him in this team? I don't think he takes up a striking position from the start. If you th- if you kind of think of who's available, you're not dropping Pedro and you're probably playing Davis in, in this system now, I'd say. Okay. Um, Tom, can I pick you up on something that you said um, I thought was quite interesting? We, we often talk about um, 
teams getting a, a manager bounce after they've they've changed a manager. They, they seem to play a bit better. Um, maybe it's the, the the fact they're playing for their places or or a certain amount of freedom that perhaps comes under under a new manager. But Watford changed their manager so frequently. Is it possible that the players have sort of become numb to it and th- th- there's there's not going to be the bounce that perhaps you might get with other teams? No, that's completely my point. That's why. That's what I think. I do. I, I really do think that. And I started writing a bit about it earlier, and I'll finish that off. But you know, what is it? Ten managers since twenty nineteen. I think someone tweeted earlier. Um, you know that that's insane. And you just think. And this is what I said to Peter and the guys on Do Not Stretch Your Eyes. If he does well and gets us up, they'll probably still appoint someone that they think is better suited for the Premier League. If he doesn't do that then he'll be off because his contract's up so if you're a player that has kind of bumbled and stumbled through this season got a contract but probably expects to leave this summer what's the incentive anyway I'd almost argue that if you're someone like Ismail Assar you're more likely to be sold in the championship if we're in the championship next season having you know failed to make the playoffs or failed to win in the playoffs than you are in the Premier League if we go up then arguably the club will go with a Premier League player now. That's another £10 million on top and people won't go for him or they'll try and get him to sign a new contract or he will just be seen as less attainable. So, you know, I'm not trying to call into question the professionalism of anyone and certainly not Ismail Asal, but you, you've got to look at it from a kind of cynical point of view if and put yourself in the, in the mindset of a player. Um I'd like to think that I'd be the perfect model professional as a player, I'm sure, we, as we all would. Also, part of me just like, bloody hell, we've been here so many times. This guy's going to be here for 11 games. <sighs> you know, like, a big whoop. I just, I just, I, I do think there's something in that 100%. I really do. I just don't think it's got the short, sharp shock factor that the that they're banking on. Is Chris Wilder taking a bit of a risk here? If it doesn't work out for him, can you see him getting a, another high-profile job in the championship? Yeah, I can. I mean, I think it depends what... I mean, I don't think it's going to hurt his stock too much. I think it gives him the opportunity to improve it somewhat. If he if he gets Watford into the playoffs, I think automatically that's a, that's a you know a, a scratch for him. That's a positive thing. It's it's an opportunity to, to boost him, I'd say, more than anything. And look, I think people view Watford in such a way now, which is you know probably correct in a lot of aspects, a lot of respects, sorry. Um, it's, it's one of those situations where I don't think you really get too much too much negative press for getting sat from Watford it's very much on the club and I think you almost get somewhat of a free pass you know so I'd say it's relatively low risk and it's an opportunity to work and you know there aren't there aren't many jobs going at this point of the season right now so it gets him back in the league at least that's true is he likely to bring anyone with him do we think well, I think his assistant manager is actually currently in way yeah so he had else, so the question was Alan Neil, yeah, he's he's at Wales now. So because he he's really well respected from uh, in terms of being assistant manager, he's he's kind of always been touted as being pretty integral to to a lot of Chris Wilder's kind of application and you know his of his ideas and kind of just progressing that system which they developed over the years and especially Sheffield United. That's kind of where it was you know really came together. So it, he's one that I'm assuming won't be involved. You can see him doing. Yeah, it's part-time basis until June though couldn't you potentially if, if they you could agree something with FAW but 
Yeah, he because he was at he was at Middlesbrough too with uh, with Wilder. So there's definitely potential there. And I think you know if we can get him in, then we can it helps uh, if it gives us any any more of a boost. Then we should definitely try to. Matt Prestige apparently is someone who he works with quite a bit. That rings a bell. Is he the goalie coach? Uh, first team coach apparently. Oh right. Uh, Mike Allen as well. In regards to, you know, obviously the, the 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 first thing we think of is how quickly can we can we see this Chris Wilder approach? We talk about not having a, an identity for so long, and we now have a coach who's got the he's kind of the prime example of someone that does have a, a footballing identity and is quite renowned for for his teams adopting it quite quickly. How quickly? How adaptable do you feel like we are? Do you feel like we're a team or a squad that struggles to adapt. We just just think we've just been handled poorly in terms of when we've rec- when we've hired coaches or the types of coaches we've hired. Do we feel that we can actually see Chris Wilder in this team in the first game at QPR and and kind of moving forwards? How how quickly do we see this? Do you reckon? I don't think he'll have enough time to really implement his style. To be honest, what's he got? Two three days of training. Yeah. Yeah. Probably two realistically, isn't it? if he starts tomorrow and does Friday, which probably won't be heavy. Um, we were playing a back three at the start of the season, right? You know, yeah. I do, and I do think it's not like the old days where managers kind of stick. I mean, you know what? Here's a funny, not funny, you be the judge. I remember being younger and someone got me the um, end of season review DVD. So that ages it a bit. And it, well, it was the 2003-04 season, so that really ages it a bit. And um, there was a feature on there, a bonus kind of feature on there. Um, a Day with Ray, it was called, very imaginatively titled, imaginatively titled. And they followed Ray Lewington around, essentially on match day for the final day of the season, which was a win over Reading. I've seen this. Squad, yeah. I think. There you go. And um, he talks in there about formations. And he's like, yeah, we play 4-4-2 because you know, everyone understands it's very easy to coach, very easy to play. And I think those days of like, you know, setting up with one system basically all season long, regardless who you're playing with, are gone. So that is a very uh, tangential way of making that point. But I, I think, you know, there is that adaptability, right? We, pl- we were playing 3 4 one, two, three, one, four, two at, at Christmas kind of time, weren't we? The, the, the Swansea debacle was one of those games, as I recall, and obviously the less said about that, the better. But um, I think there's some flexibility that they can adapt to a portion of what he's trying to do but I think there's also mm. got to be some level of flexibility on his part right that he's got to yeah. understand we can probably only get you know three or four whatever it is kind of key messages nailed in the next couple of weeks you know this is not a project this is not about getting the whole kind of message uh, embedded this is about getting the absolute non-negotiable principles into the, the team and the system and making do so I think he can. Yes, this is this is an interesting aspect too. Is the fact that he's you know he's obviously got to he's obviously got a very firm idea of what he wants to do clearly, but it's kind of a two pronged thing. On the one hand, you've got Chris Wilder who's got to come in and say, you know what, I've got a clear idea of what I'd like to do, like he did at Middlesbrough, but I'm going to have to make a few tweaks here to find a way of getting it into this team because there are some limitations. There are some some areas that aren't exactly ideal. So how can I kind of, you know, pull things around a little bit, which is obviously something we're used to as Watford fans, our, our head coaches have to do. 
Uh, so that's going to be one sort of thing. The other, the other is, you know, the players have to take on a lot more responsibility. We did play a back three uh, under Edwards, but it was relatively rigid. Um, and, and one thing that Wada's formation and system is not is, is rigid when it comes to the use of the centre-backs, yes, but also the rotation in midfield. And you, when those centre-backs move, it's got a kinetic effect on the rest of the team too. You have to find ways... Um, you have to sorry, you have to get those players into position quickly to to make it work. You know, if you've got the, you, you look at the way they're taking their their, their goal kicks or playing possession from the back. If the if the outside centre back is shifting into that right back position, then the right wingers going on to the the right wing backs going into a right winger position. You've got the kind of rotation in midfield too. You've got to be switched on. But is also a level of um, autonomy that has to take place from the players themselves and responsibility they have to take to to know when to get into those positions so it's going to be it's going to be a real crash i'd love to be able to be a fly on the wall and see the crash course of uh of wilder of wilder ball that will be going on at the training ground to see kind of what he 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 puts through first you know what are the most important principles what are the foundations that he wants to see first uh, and defensively you know we see we see from from a wilder team they're aggressive, but they they track their players too. You know they use that back three. Oftentimes, if you get that striker coming into the back three, he drops in deep to get them to, into midfield to get on the ball. He's not afraid to let his defender stick tight to him and track him all the way into midfield. You know there's an aggression to his defence, um, which which we haven't played with for a while. So there's a lot of elements to take in. It's a it's a big it's a big task, and I think it's probably the from just trying to think of top of my head in recent memory, it's probably the most complex um, system that the team's going to have to learn in the space of a few days. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see how how the team and how Chris uh, managed to achieve that, if they do or not. It's almost like um, international management in that respect, isn't it? You know, you've got such a short amount of time to work with them and it's not about improving the players necessarily or anything like that it is purely a results yeah. thing now isn't it and everyone knows what the score is and through no fault of his own he's up against it immediately because the level of patience and whatnot from Watford fans towards the team is going to be pretty minimal so um, yeah good luck Chris what's his uh, target do you think sixth is that Basically, it just secure playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't see us do it. I'd be surprised if we could do much better than that. Would what 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 do you say to say? Yeah, I mean, what I do think is, I think that if we do, if we get a couple of wins in the next three games, I do think I do think we go on a run. I I don't think it's going to be. I expect it to either work well or fail miserably. I don't really feel there's going to be an in-between. You know, I don't think it's going to be win four games, lose four games. I think it's going to be a, a streak of either. I, don't, I, don't, I, just, I just see it kind of going one way or the other, which isn't a great answer. But, I mean, the target has to be six, obviously. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's a possibility. I, I, honestly, for me, it's all about that adaptability and how we see that that, that kind of transferring of, of, of ideas so um, I'm very curious but you know I'm sure I'm sure the target set is, is playoffs that's the goal and you know what if we sneak into six somehow then we have that momentum with us and that kind of wind behind us mm-hmm. and bloody hell anything could happen yeah. do you know what I mean like look at 99 we snuck into six didn't we and uh, was it the Tranmere game we won that and then we went on a roll from there and that was that and there was no stopping us so yeah, yeah. there's a lot to be said for momentum and 
you know, although we've done it by finishing third and being there for weeks and weeks and weeks in the past, um, the hot hand is is quite often the one, isn't it, that that thrives. Mm-hmm. So, um, are we and what we I will say promoted this year. That's that's what I'm taking. We might get promoted <laughs> this year. <laughs> wow. Well, me. and look, honestly, if you even have a one percent feeling. Uh, that could be a possibility. I'll take that over what we were at because I really did not feel any possibility that we were going up under okay. under village. And and I think, you know, it's trying something different. And I don't like the idea of changing manager for the sake of changing or changing head coach for the sake of changing head coach. And I don't think it's a perfect fit. You know, it's still short term. But what I do like is there are some traits there. There are some aspects of this of this appointment, which you know you you can you can cling on to a little bit, and you can say, well, you know what, if you if you get a little bit of luck, if these things work, if you know, if there's a good blend, if you know if the characters are correct, and we've got some coachable players that are able to help, you know, maybe there's a chance something happens, and I'll take that over over what we were what we were getting. Really, that's that's just kind of how I'm feeling. But you know, it makes me much more interested for the game on Saturday, and I'll I'll take that even for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not going to QPR. Uh, I will be watching it, but I am going to be at the Vic next Tuesday for Birmingham, and I was dreading having to having to go there because I just hated what I saw uh, last time out. But now I'm, uh, especially after listening to you two, I'm uh, I don't know, I'm I'm optimistic, which is a nice feeling to have after a, after a several months of, of not feeling like that. Don't worry, Troy Deeney's still going to score a penalty and we're going to lose that game. So <laughs> shouldn't worry too much. Yeah. One maybe. one player, though, as well, interesting. What what, what about Yasser Espria now? Because it was, it was something that was such a negative under Bilic. He wasn't playing, wasn't involved. He comes on, has a great sub. Now, I'm sure Wilder's watched the game, but you know, it kind of feels like he loses a little bit of that heat he came into the last game with. Definitely. And then also, where does he play? Did you see that Yasser Espria liked the um, the post on? Was it Instagram? I did see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did see that. Also, also Morris liked it too, which I was surprised about. Interesting. Uh, I, I wonder well, if the they didn't realise what that uh, that's, what signal that gives out. But yeah, yeah. Or, I, I think Morris liked the one that, that Morris liked the, the the post of Wilder joining and and uh, Yasser liked the one of Billet leaving. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, maybe that maybe that's the thing we need we need to know from that question. Then the he, and uh, Bayo liked it he, as well. Bayo liked it too, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I just have to say this is related to Bayo and nothing else. The the one eighty that people have done on Bayo, just listening to "Do Not Scratch Your Eyes" Twitter space, recently it's hilarious. From the worst forward ever to oh, I don't know why we let Bayo out on loan. At least he scored some goals. Has been absolutely <laughs> priceless. Keep that up, Watford fans. Honestly, keep that up. Just God forbid we sign a player that we wistfully talk about Brass and Belunga leaving after. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Right. Oh. Are we done for the, uh, the, the the quick emergency pod? I think so. I think, think so. Excellent. Pod, um, actually, that flowed nicely. Yeah. May, may I just point out um, that we did an, a pod yesterday, uh, 90 minutes long, and there's still lots of good stuff in there. Please do listen to that as well. Uh, don't don't Please. make don't make our time having been having been Matt, uh, worthless. A ninety minute podcast and what how uh, however long you spent editing it. Yeah, you know, that's a lot of work. 
Just uh, even if you just even if you just just throw it on and just don't even have your headphones in, just let it play out. Just you know, help the help the metrics out. Give it a download. Even that's the least you could do. <laughs> About a game, by the way, that will not live long in the memory. <laughs> <laughs> no, not no. Long. We had lots of great stuff in there. We had lots of great bonus content in that episode. But it's it's buried in there. You got to listen to the whole thing to refind really it. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's even a segment on who we think should come in to replace Billich. <laughs> if for this goes yeah yeah spoiler spoiler alert none of us said wilder <laughs> don't worry, it'll probably be we didn't do did we no so yeah, yeah. we'll right. repost it soon though. great well thanks for uh tuning in um if you have been listening to us if you have enjoyed it please give us a um a little review on the itunes platform if you go down to the bottom there's a rating system uh give us a rating out of five uh, and and put a little comment as well please it would be really helpful uh, as john said uh, it helps the metrics and it's also nice to read them and if you put a comment we'll uh, read it out in the next pod um you can also follow us the usual ways at what for pod uh, and then we have our own separate handles as well. And you can find us there and send us a message if you like. And uh, and we'll get back to you and uh, tell you what we think about Watford. And also, I've had a few messages from new listeners. So I appreciate new listeners tuning in as always. Feel free to share the podcast with people if you ha- if they haven't they're not aware of it they haven't listened to it and if you like it if you don't like it obviously don't feel obligated to share it but if you do then that'd be great um and also i guess thanks if anyone is listening we've had a couple of shout outs from other watford i almost said media outlets that sounds kind of gross not media fan <laughs> what do we even class ourselves as other watford podcasts and so on um that are available we're all a little bit different so go and check them out too um and yeah and media fan media even just the word media kind of makes me feel a little uncomfortable you know know what you mean we're not really sure what we are but yeah anyway we're brilliant and you should listen to us this uh, could be the start of something good or it could be the start of uh, I guess more bad We we, we, we don't know but at least there's something to look forward to that's the exact plaque above the tunnel, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one they tap before they, before yeah, they go I think out? so. Yeah. It's, it's also our uh, podcast motto, isn't it? We all recite that prior to... <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our pledge of allegiance, yeah. Thanks, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right, will you let me finish this, please? Any more work, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I want to go to bed. Sorry, I know it's late for you guys, all right. Right, okay, um... I think we've said it all. So, yeah, thanks for listening. And we'll be back after the QPR game, hopefully to talk about the first victory under Chris Wilder. See you on tomorrow's podcast. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.